0: So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting Bluehost.com. That's Bluehost.com. This episode is brought to you by sax.com. At sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party... Or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at sax.com. The Art
1: History
2: Bay. Hello, listeners. Have a reboot episode for you today. This was one of our. Earliest episodes, I believe our third episode ever. So editing it was kind of a trip. It was originally released June 25th, 2016. And yeah, you know, keep that in mind. That was like five years ago. So some of our thoughts and opinions have grown and changed on certain things or are maybe a little more in depth now but still a lot of good information in this episode all about the gorilla girls also if you enjoy our content be sure to check out our patreon you can help us continue to make fresh content regularly we're around 75% to our first goal, like fundraising goal, I guess. And when we hit it, we will deliver a new episode every week. We'll be able to get on a more consistent release schedule of new content. So if you want to help make that a possibility, head on over there. There's also a lot of cool things, bonus episodes, bonus reflection videos. Our book club, our second book club read is starting up right now. So you can still get in on that. You can also get handmade art from us. There's just so many different things over there. So patreon.com slash arthistorybabes. And as always, thank you so much to our patrons past and present. We love you. We appreciate you. We truly cannot do this without you. So thank you so much for being here. And also, in case you missed it, we wrote a book, The Honest Art Dictionary. You can buy it lots of places. It's a pretty, pretty fun resource. I do say so myself. So check that out as well. And hope you enjoy today's AHB classic on the Gorilla Girls. art history babes welcome to the podcast i'm corey i'm natalie and i'm jen and we are the art history babes uh today's episode will be talking about the gorilla girls which i'm particularly excited about because that means we're diving into feminism finally uh it's gonna get a little political it's gonna get it's gonna get interesting, though. But also really funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but before we get started, our girl Ginny isn't here today because she's, she's off uh, doing her intern thing. Running museums. Just, just being an amazing woman. Being a
1: business babe. Um,
2: so in her honor, we are drinking gin cocktails. Gin for um, gin. Sp- we miss you,
1: Ginny. <laughs> to Ginny. That's, that's to you. Mm. Ugh.
2: <laughs>
1: Love you, Jenny. <laughs> Little strong net.
2: <laughs> Before we get into everything, everyone's been jet-setting. We've all been all over the place. And I think there's some good anecdotes that we want to share with you guys. Yeah, just traveling a about.
0: What, yeah.
1: let, let's start with, um, why don't we start with Natalie? Natalie all went right. to beautiful, Maui. gorgeous Maui. She, yeah. is, she is so bronze right now, you guys. <laughs> it's
3: unbelievable. A little unbelievable. bit better than my pale complexion I was working with all quarter. Please. Okay, so um, while in beautiful Maui, we saw many an art gallery, which is cool. I didn't realize that there were so many um, art galleries in Lahaina. And while at a gallery, I was with some friends, and one of the guys I was with pointed out that there were, like, no women (laughs) in the gallery, artists, female artists. There were, like, two out of the, like, 20-something artists that they represented, and it was really disappointing, and that fits perfectly with our topic this week, so just thought I'd throw that out there.
1: It's really appropriate, appropriate... Appropriate bummer. Yeah, (laughs) it's an appropriate (laughs) bummer. Yeah, speaking of appropriate bummers, I too had some art moments. I went to New York City over the last week in Manhattan, went to the Met. I've never been to the Met, and it was exciting. They have everything. And what I noticed, however, is that they represent women, they do. They represent women. Many a naked woman <laughs> painted by a man. And Newest member of the Gorilla Girls right here. Yeah. And I mean, I just as much as anybody else who has studied art history appreciates the nude feminine body for what it represents in the sense of studying anatomy or representing these um, archetypes. It was very hard not to notice that there are very few women artists in the Met. And that really is really appropriate to notice, considering that the Guerrilla Girls had one of their most famous posters actually um, point out, points out that the Met basically represents naked women and not women artists. For a museum that covers an ungodly amount of square footage, it seems very short-sighted that women artists are so pitifully represented. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the statistics are pretty alarming,
3: and statistics don't lie. So this isn't, (laughs) this isn't women making a fuss. This is that's that's Hard science fact. is what that is. <laughs> it's
1: True, yeah. And you know, New York City, man. Um, <laughs> gosh, you know, it's a it's a it's a trip of a place. I also went. <laughs> I also went to the the Noya Gallery. That was very interesting. They had a um the Ed, Edvard Munch exhibit. Ooh. Very cool. Very cool. A lot of existential dread. Um, yeah. I left there feeling very existential. And um, funnily enough, yeah, um, many, that that really characterizes New York City. We saw a man. Existential dread. Yeah, (laughs) existential dread in New York City. Yeah, we saw a man. This is just another, this has nothing to do with anything. We just saw a guy. But (laughs) it's a great story. We just saw a guy. And I don't know, it it was like two in the morning. And of course, you know, we're out. We're... We out there, <laughs> and there was a guy, and he's got his entire body just inside of a phone booth, uh, like a, a payphone, which was amazing. I've never seen a payphone in within the last like you know ten, fifteen years. Yeah. Payphone, and he was uh, reciting spoken word uh, a la William Shatner, um, the lyrics to Hotline Bling, <laughs> and. It's yeah. so
3: ironic that it wasn't a cell phone. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it wasn't a cell phone. It was. <laughs> did, uh... he, did he
2: change the lyrics? To no, Hayfons he was literally like, you...
1: <laughs> <laughs> he 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 sang very solemnly. Well, you know, he didn't sing. He spoke. He was just like, "You used to call me on my cell phone late night." <laughs> 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 you guys didn't need to know that. <laughs> I don't know why I just told that story, but anyway. You know, traveling, it's fun, Um, but now I'm back, and we're here, and we're going to do this podcast. uh, And I went
2: to Utah...
3: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Famous <laughs> for their art.
2: <laughs> Unfortunately, I didn't really experience much art while I was out there. I wanted to go see Spiral Jetty because it's my favorite thing in oh, the world. Yeah. And it's, their, it's the official artwork of Utah, like the official state artwork, which is kind of cool. Wait, what happened? Why didn't you go see it? I just didn't have a car.
1: Oh, like, yeah. It's
2: way out there. Yeah, you kind of need a car. Yeah, you, it's it's really out there. I don't think a lift would have taken me out there. They would have... Probably thought that I was trying to murder them or something. (laughs) But, um, so, yeah, went to Utah. Didn't really get to do anything art-related, but it was beautiful. I got to be part of a beautiful wedding, so that was awesome. And... There was dogs. There were dogs in the wedding. It was so perfect. It was on a mountain. It was... It was art in itself. It was, it was art come to life. But yeah, so we've all been on our little adventures, which has been really nice, uh, little break from things. But now we back, we um, here, we here, and we're gonna talk about some stuff. Um, so Natalie and Jen's stories kind of we're kind of little teasers concerning what we're talking about today, which is the Gorilla Girls. The Gorilla Girls is a collective that um, started in New York City in 1985 and they refer to themselves as feminist activist artists so that's a lot of descriptors there a lot of ists yeah we got a lot of things going on I've gotten a few different numbers. One website said over 100 members since 1985. Their official website said over 55 members. So I don't know. I don't know if there's... Technically, they don't contradict one another. They (laughs) don't! So somewhere in that realm. But, so... That's
1: actually, you know, that's actually part of their tactics is... Undisclosed numbers of members, so...
2: Yes, anonymity is very important to them. Which actually kind of leads to the next thing. They, um... They wear gorilla masks when they're in public. They do this as a way to conceal their identity. In addition to the gorilla masks, they also all have adopted pseudonyms of female artists or just notable female people from the past. Um, like some of the founders, like there's Frida Kahlo and Gertrude Stein. So Kathy Colwitz. Yes. Yeah. So you have all these these like um, these pseudonyms of notable women. So if you hear us, if you hear us referring to like famous female artists, we're most likely just talking about in the context of a, pseudony- a pseudonym we'll try and be specific yeah, because it can get very confusing yeah but just assume that unless we yeah. unless we clear it up like Frida wasn't out there um, <laughs> wearing <laughs> a gorilla <mask>. yes. <laughs> but she, been. That she would have we know she would have she, she would have been girl, girl. <laughs> uh, Frida So uh,
3: another quick clarification while <laughs> we're on quick. the topic of clarity so gorilla is spelled like gorilla like you say it you'll say it better guerrilla so okay so it's pronounced it's spelled g-u-e-r-r-i-l-l-a like Gorilla fighters but the gorilla mask came out of a member who was very bad at spelling which is kind of awesome uh. <laughs> and,
2: <laughs> super cute yeah that's what was the story there it just one of their founding members one time just misspelled it. They spelled, spelled it, it gorilla. Yeah, G-O-R-I-L-L-A. Like the, the, the,
1: the ape. Yes. A- excuse and me, Natalie. Sorry.
2: <laughs> and after they made fun of her for a while, they were like, wait a minute. That's a really good idea. And that's where the gorilla masks came from. God, so good. Yeah,
3: right? <laughs> so don't learn to spell kids.
2: No need. So the Gorilla Girls were founded by seven women artists in the spring of 1980. 85. According to an article written by one of the founding members that's entitled uh, Gorilla Girls Broadband uh, Inside Story, what kind of set it off was that a curator at the MoMA, Canastin McShine. <laughs> <laughs> it's not funny. It's not. <laughs> that's quite the name, though. Canastin. K- Can- <laughs> <laughs> yes. So MoMA curator Canastin McShine. <laughs>
1: You don't know if that's how you pronounce his name. <laughs> you know, honestly, we could be butchering this man's name. Yeah. Oh. But well. I'm not
2: going to apologize because no, um, he wasn't a good guy. I, well, I don't know that, but he. <laughs> this is what he said, and this is what kind of started the Gorilla Girls. Um, he said that anyone not in the exhibition, an international survey of painting and sculpture, should re-examine his career. Oh. Um, oh. And. That's a dick
3: comment anyway. (laughs) And then to like add sexism on top of it. For
2: real. And in this particular exhibition of 169 artists, only 13 of them were women. So that's not a good ratio. But anyway, so the, the, the girls who were artists, working artists at the time, were pretty pissed off about this. So as Natalie already mentioned a little bit, these kind of statistics are at the heart of a lot of their work. They, they use these numbers to really kind of drive their point home. Like you can't, you can't deny that uh, 13 out of 169 is a pretty terrible uh, ratio. So they founded the group. They, their strategy was kind of they. They wanted to name names while still maintaining anonymity, all with a sense of humor. So there was this. This idea that they wanted to do this, but they wanted it to be funny. And they wanted to find the right balance between humor and hopelessness. Because unfortunately, (laughs) it is, I mean, just speaking from a feminist point of view, it feels rather hopeless sometimes. But the best way to deal with that is humor. So what they started doing is that they started to meet together in smaller groups and figure out ways to kind of engage in this like guerrilla feminism where they wanted to make their message known in a very clear but yet humorous way. It kind of, there was, there was actually was and continues to be a lot of internal debate in terms of how to go about this because this is a really big like project that the guerrilla girls took on like they wanted to just like take on the art world and misogyny in the art and, world and patriarchy And yeah they wanted to take down the patriarchy and we all know that it's very difficult <laughs> yeah you know we're just out here trying to do it but it's it's hard um so there Isn't was, it hard <laughs> i don't know it shouldn't be this hard it really shouldn't it's be pretty hard. <laughs> but yeah so there was a lot of kind of disagreement within the group one of the examples that kind of stuck out to me was that apparently early on one of the early members kind of felt that the term girls like "gorilla girls was actually demeaning to feminists which actually kind of, like, reminded me of us and, like, what we're trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. Because, like, we're the art history babes, and babes has kind of this sexual connotation.
1: Yeah. But,
2: I don't know, we're all... Also a pig connotation. Yeah. Which is awesome. (laughs) An adorable pig. An (laughs) adorable pig. (laughs) Which I am 100% for. What I
1: really like about using words, like, girls or babes or whatever, it's, um... I think that there's nothing wrong or anti-feminist with finding some sort of empowering message or whatever it would be through using words like "hey," like we're a bunch of girls, or hey, like "oh look," like we're the babes. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, no. What do you guys I think you I, know. I mean, I, we're
2: calling ourselves the Art History Babes. I think now is a good time to talk about to, to what it. we're calling our <laughs> podcast. Um, I would agree one hundred percent. I mean, I definitely consider it more of an empowering thing. That being said, I also like. I just call people that I like, babe. Like, I I like you guys, and you're my babe. (laughs) So, like, I just—I think it's just an endearing thing to call people. It's true. I call everyone babe.
1: Yeah. I think it's sort of—it's—it's kind of like a—it's like an old blues mama thing.
2: (laughs) Babe.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I like, and I like the mentality that feminism and having a feminist outlook is. Allowing women to make their own decisions and Word. call themselves and other women what they would like to call them. In a way, I think it's valid that this member thought that that was demeaning because for her, maybe it was, whereas it's perfectly rational that other members wouldn't find it to be demeaning. And I don't think
2: either's wrong. Yeah, I think, I think I think that's like such an important part of feminism that it's about the discussion. It's about the whatever you feel or are experiencing in your in your feminism, in your womanhood, like that is valid and you should be able to discuss it. Like And you shouldn't yeah. shame other women for not feeling
1: maybe the exact way that you
3: do about a certain yeah. situation.
1: I think that feminism, you know, I mean to be t- super general, is that feminism enables women to make their own decisions and that's it i don't think that there needs to be much more than that when discussing like what labels they want to use whether it's something like bitch magazine or (laughs) calling your best friend a slut or a hoe like oh what's up Slut? I don't know. Don't call me a slut. I'll fight you. But, you know, if that's what you like, then go ahead, you know, and that's
2: fine. It's, no, it's definitely just being able, like, obviously all of us are comfortable with the term babes. We all agreed upon it as our name for our podcast, so, like, we obviously all like it. I feel like whenever, when I do tell people the name of the podcast, I've gotten a little bit of, like... Have they scoffed? No, no, I don't know scoffing is <laughs> Has there like, been scoffing? <laughs> Jen's going to um, go start a fight. <laughs> Someone's scoffing. She's like, but Who I, I is do, scoffing? I do think it's kind of questionable, and personally, I like that. I like the fact that it, it opens up a conversation. I think that's better than not, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, I think it's just a term of endearment for us. Now, if, like... If you don't like being called babe, like that's fine. Like, you mm-hmm. have every right to not want to be called that mm-hmm. as a human being. And if you don't want to be
1: called a gorilla girl, <laughs> you have every right. <laughs> For
0: real. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe.
2: So anyways, back to the Gorilla Girls. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, um so the Gorilla Girls in the mid eighties, they started um they started making a lot of um, what they have referred to as outrageous visuals a lot of posters and a lot of times they would go out in the middle of the night in New York City in the 80s and they'd put these posters up like every other street artist mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, cool that's okay so, yeah right like uh, very grassroots yeah definitely they were right out there at like the beginning of it they probably like ran into like Keith Haring and stuff like out on the streets actually when did he die was he dead yet? I think he died in the early 90s. okay. Yeah. But anyways, to get into a discussion of some of those visuals, one of their early posters from 1988 called The Advantages of Being a Woman Artist, and it's just, it's white background, uh, black text. It says The Advantages of Being a Woman Artist takes up like a third of, of the poster um, in big letters. And then there's just a list, and this is what it says. Working Without the Pressure of Success... Not having to be in shows with men. Ugh. Having an escape from the art world and your four freelance jobs. Knowing your career might pick up after you're 80. Being reassured that whatever kind of art you make, it will be labeled feminine. <laughs> Not being stuck in a tenured teacher, teaching position. Seeing your ideas live on in the work of others having the opportunity to choose between career and motherhood not having to choke on those big cigars or paint in italian suits <laughs> having more time to work when your mate dumps you for someone younger being included in revised version or er, yeah being included in revised versions of art history not having to undergo the embarrassment of being called a genius getting your picture in the art magazines wearing a gorilla suit and then at the bottom it says a public service message from Gorilla Girls, uh, conscious conscience of the art world. So this was one of their early posters. I think it's absolutely fantastic. It hurts my heart. I know, right? <laughs> uh, god. Oh god. Just... But it's so honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, and funny. They're and yeah, it's pretty funny. So clever. They really are. So that's a big one that they did. And then in '89 they did what what is probably their most notable image called Do Women Have to Be Naked to Get into the Met Museum? And this one, it says, it, that's exactly what it says on it. Once again, do women have to be naked to get into the Met Museum? And then they have appropriated Ang's Odalisque, and then they put a gorilla mask on it. So, it looks great um mm-hmm. if you're not familiar uh ang's odalisque is just a very uh, famous painting and it's of a naked sensual woman with no joints yeah that, that make any <laughs> sense yeah, yeah it's, it's fine <laughs> yeah it's very like idealized it's not realistic I mean it's a beautiful painting but yeah it's it's a it's a early nude do you know when does anyone know when that was painted I think aang's odalisque was probably it? um 17th century? Maybe. Natalie will look it up for us. Um, We're about to find out. But so it, we've got that with the gorilla mask um, where the head normally is. And then underneath it says less than 5% of the artists in the modern art section are women, but 85% of the nudes are female. That painting is from 18. 18- <laughs> oh, shoot. That painting is from 1814. Ah, so 1814. So yeah, so we have this, and this one was in 89, and that's an accurate statistic. And that's real. I was just there, and I
1: gotta say, there are rooms dedicated to naked women, and I
2: don't know where the women artist room was. And that's, that's the thing that they've done with this image, actually, is they keep updating it. They keep updating it with new statistics and sometimes different museums. Um, I think the most recent of this exact one was in 2012, and the updated statistic is not any better. It's less than 4% of artists in the modern sections are women, but 76% of the nudes are female. So, slightly less nudes, um, but also slightly less women artists, so we don't really have a better situation there. And then in 2014... They kind of did a newer version that kind of branches out a little bit into a different realm of visual culture, in which um, it says, "Do women have to be naked to get into music videos?" And then they've kind of superimposed this like naked woman. I don't know if she's actually from a music so video. That,
3: yeah, I got I got the background on this one. All right. So this was a piece that they appropriated for Pharrell's girl show in. What was that? Two thousand ten. This was two thousand twelve. I think it was 2014. 2014. All right. Yeah. Okay. So in 2014, Pharrell Williams, babe, he, <laughs> I can call him that because we have that sort of relationship. He curated an exhibition titled Girl, and he opened it at the Perrotin Gallery in France and wanted to include and empower women artists. So um, he asked the Guerrilla Girls to do to create work for the show, they accepted, but on the condition that they could address the um, inclusion of women in the music industry, specifically music videos, and if they could also address the women represented by the gallery. So they were able to take swings at not only music video culture visual culture but also at the gallery where the show was exhibited and they were allowed to do that which is pretty cool so they pointed out or within the image that or yeah within the image that Corey was talking about earlier they included what's her name Emily Rada what's that her name Rada I can't say her last name Rada Janaus. I can't say it. She is you guys know her. <laughs> She's the one who's naked in the music video.
2: <laughs>
3: yeah. So I'm sorry for butchering your name, girl. But um she I meant that in a friendly whatever. <laughs> so it's her body. And that's been superimposed over the original Still with the Gorilla Mask. And then it basically says, Do women have to be naked to be in music videos? And they showed it at the thing and if you guys don't know Pharrell was in the music video that that is calling out so kudos to you for being a good sport Pharrell Robin Thicke think about your actions
2: Think about your life and your <laughs> <Yeah>. decisions. <laughs>
1: well, I mean, everyone saw the whole Miley Cyrus situation with uh, Robin Thicke, right? No, when they performed together. Yeah. So, I mean, let's say I think it's safe to say that he might not have the greatest idea about oh, yeah. feminism, but that's okay. You know what? He's gonna learn. Yeah. He's gonna learn today. And that is a damn
2: catchy song. And I, I really love. like that song. I, 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 know, I do. It's terrible. I, I like, when I really stopped and thought about it, I was like, shit. <clears> like, I want to like this song. Bad but... feminists. I know. Oh, God. <laughs> so disappointed. Oh, God. <laughs> damn it. <laughs> anyway. Um, so that's kind of some of the more contemporary stuff they've been doing. And yeah, kudos to Pharrell for getting in there and or, just like... For real. Yeah, so oh, yeah. He, he goes by for real now? Yes. I, that's what
1: I heard. I don't know why he would do this. Um, you know, everyone's <laughs> taking a cue off of Prince. Artists want to, mm. you know, rebrand. Anyway, for real, Pharrell, we I, salute you.
2: Yeah, we need to look this up, I feel like. I New name, same beautiful face. Yeah, Same ageless face. Yes. He has not aged a day since he just I was in to middle it school. Up because yeah. he doesn't look any differently. <laughs> yeah. So he needs to sound different. And just wear really big hats.
1: <laughs> Smoky, For <the>
2: <laughs> Pharrell, I love you so much. Yeah, we all do. Um,
1: <laughs> Pharrell, if you're listening, <laughs> we love you.
2: Okay, so kind of like what you can get from these images, which will be posted on our website, art history, babes.com is that their style they kind of appropriated the visual language of advertising which was just a very popular thing that started in the 80s jenny holzer is a great female artist who did this a lot in the 80s she's one of my personal favorites so you should check her out but that was just a big thing um with like the advent of street art also just like this appropriation of this like advertisement style and that's exactly what they were doing and continue to do. They have also written a couple of books that are pretty incredible. The first one we have here, and it's called The Gorilla Girl's Bedside Companion to the History of Western Art. Um, you, you guys should buy this book. Oh, this is the second book? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I,
3: no, yeah, no, I thought it was the second one, too, but the, or the first one, but they have a
2: 1995 book called Confessions of a Gorilla Girl. Okay, so that's the first book, Confessions of a Gorilla Girl, and then The Bedside oh. Companion was published in 98, and this one I think is their most known book. Yeah, um, It's a great book,
1: you guys. It I, is. I would suggest buying it at least. Go check it out at your library. It's a fun book, and what really makes this book for me are the quotes. Every, you know, because um, I don't know how many of our listeners out there are acquainted with the um, rigors of the survey art history class, but, you know, it's kind of broken down from, like, classical era to, like, romantic art and, um, like, Impressionism and modernism and contemporary. So the book is... Divided up in these sections, much as your um, typical survey art history textbook would look like. And at the beginning of each section are some lovely quotes by contemporary writers of the given era. Um, I really enjoy a few of these here. This one's good. It is absurd to argue from an analogy with wild animals and say that men and women ought to engage in the same occupations, for animals do not do housework. <laughs>
2: oh, Aristotle! <laughs> From the fourth oh, century B.C. Aristotle. Aristotle. That's... He was wrong on just about everything, and this is a
1: fun book, you guys. Really. Check it out.
3: And especially if you are the proud owner of an overly priced art historical survey text Mm -hmm. like Gardner's, you owe yourself buying this book to go along with it. It is much more reasonably priced at about $20 on Amazon. Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. (laughs) You can get it for even cheaper used. I mean, it's very funny and interesting. But also highly informative and and And
2: real. I I feel like that would be a really just fun thing to do, to go through your your gardener's survey text right alongside of this this one and just, like, see the difference. I feel like that could be really interesting.
1: What does that look like? A vagina. (laughs) Well, <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm doing like a live oh, reading this, of this. Is this the
2: book. book of hours? Yes. Oh, okay, nice. Like yeah, book of
1: hours. That, oh. That's the clitoris. Yes,
2: definitely. The little star it's at a the top.
1: That's my star. That's little star.
2: a very prominent. Oh, boy. Star. Hey. <laughs> um. <laughs> so, what we're looking at. Is essentially an illuminated manuscript by Hildegard von Bingen. Yes, um, and I I love illuminated manuscripts. They're beautiful, but the the image that the specific image is it, in certain ways it's, it, like, it's like a mandala. Yeah, it's like a mandala, but kind of in the shape of the female anatomy a little bit, and uh, it's definitely genitalia.
3: Yeah, definitely, but. Well, it's, it's modest genitalia.
2: Yeah, it's not Classy. I mean, we're talking in terms of just like, yeah, in like terms o of sh- Yeah, <laughs> we're talking like shapes and stuff. It doesn't actually look like a vagina, but you can tell what's going on here. And yeah, there's this there's this very um pronounced little star at the top that I think you're right, that's probably that's probably uh a
1: clitoris. The sweet spot. <laughs> that's, that's the clitoris. <laughs> Um, the point
3: of, it's
1: clitoris. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to get us like rated
3: NR. know, I'm sorry. I'm
1: sorry. I know. It's a dirty word. I know. It's it's, not. It's it's, a beautiful
2: word. Right.
1: It's not dirty.
2: We need the breathy. Yeah, the breathy, the breathy clitoris is a little (laughs) much.
1: It's the name of my, uh, my punk band. (laughs) My, my riot (laughs) girl band. (laughs) Anyway, okay. <laughs> the point, the 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 point of discussing this image is that in the Gorilla Girls bedside companion to the history of Western art, you will see artworks that you may not normally see in your conventional art history survey textbook, and yes, they can be kind of funny. But honestly, there's a lot of really interesting information here just illuminating how much this art is neglected in your everyday like Pearson textbook. Yeah, definitely. And, and, that's, and, and that's really problematic because these are the textbooks that are being sold
2: to undergraduates at colleges for hundreds of dollars. As literally the history of art. Exactly. Here is this book. This is the entire history of art for you. And it's it's just not. It's not the truth. But that image we were just discussing we'll put up on the website. <laughs> for yeah, you get you to see it You'll because we see.
1: we went on for a while. And about I think it. yeah,
2: yeah, it's it's not as uh, as erotic. It's as not as we made it sound pornographic. We're <laughs> yeah. like, 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 gonna look at it and they're like, that? <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> like, oh, that's what you guys really think uh, Yeah. yeah.
2: Like, no, it's actually really be- it's really beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> So anyways, it's a really amazing little book they put together. You should definitely check it out. I love this book. (laughs) Um, Another book they wrote in 2003. I have not got my hands on yet, but I really, really want to. Um, It's called Bitches, Bimbos, and Ball Breakers. (laughs) The Gorilla Girls Illustrated Guide to Female Stereotypes. Where the Gorilla Girls, um, essentially, they go into... The female stereotypes that are um, pervasive throughout culture, including the old maid, the trophy wife, the prostitute, and the heart of gold. And I don't know, I'm personally really interested in like female archetypes and female stereotypes. So I feel like this could be a really fascinating book. But yeah, unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to look at it. Yeah, we don't have that that one. one. What um, do you
3: have? We have the Amazon preview.
1: Ooh. Oh, Amazon.
2: Amazon's getting, they should be sponsoring us right now. Like, they're getting a lot of airtime. Amazon, if you're listening, <laughs> we're out here. No, you are. <laughs> so in the preview, we've got this image of a, a gorilla girl, a woman standing with her back to the audience, her, with wearing no shirt and wearing a gorilla girl's mask. And then the text in the background says not an Aunt Jemima, ball breaker, biker chick, bimbo bitch, bombshell bra burner, bull dyke, butch, call girl, Carmen Miranda, China doll, dumb blonde, feminazi, flapper, geisha girl, next door, gold digger, good Catholic girl, harem girl, ho home girl. Hot tamale, Indian princess, Jewish princess, lady boss, lipstick lesbian, Lolita, madam, Mother Teresa, nympho, old hag, old maid, pinup girl, prude, Rosie the Riveter, slut, soccer mom, squaw, stage mom, supermodel, Tokyo Rose, tomboy, trophy wife, valley girl, vamp, wicked stepmother, yummy mummy. <laughs> And it says, "Don't
3: stereotype me."
1: Yeah. So that's kind of that was that was a mouthful. Yeah,
2: that's a lot of alliteration. Thank you. You Read that very well. (laughs) Good job. Thank you so much, Um, Um, girl. That's
1: like some. I want to like snap to that. (laughs) I
2: wanted to be a rapper in middle school, so (laughs) (laughs) it's finally coming full circle. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Um. But yeah. So in addition to all of that visual material and their books, they've also staged. So many protests and so many workshops. If you go onto their website, which is gorillagirls.com, I believe, they have an archive that's just insane. Like you can go back all the way back to the beginning and it's just like every little thing they've done and they have done so much. So you should definitely look into it. Some other notable things about the Guerrilla Girls, they have work that kind of focuses on other political social issues, not just issues in the art world. One example is a poster they did in 1991 um, in which it says, question, what's the difference between a prisoner of war and a homeless person? And the answer is under the Geneva Convention, a prisoner of war is entitled to food, shelter and medical care. And then there's an image of kind of just this like, I think it's like a cop just bothering a homeless person. It's nothing violent, but he's just kind of like poking at this homeless person on a bench. So their their work definitely springs outward into other political issues and other social issues, not just those within the art world, but in terms of those issues in the art world. That's obviously been their main concern as as they were formed by artists, so they're, they're more entrenched in that. And I don't know, do you want to talk about this, Jen? Kind of how the whole idea came from this idea, like it came from the fact that the art world is very much, the art world, the art market, is very much run by just billionaire white men art collectors. And that has led to basically their interests being at the forefront of what's actually being shown in art collections. And that's a problem for obvious reasons.
1: Yeah, so in 1986, the Guerrilla Girls had a series of panels as well as conventions where essentially responding to criticism of not being very accessible by press or art collectors or curators the people that they're essentially lambasting in in their in in their activism complain they said well how are we supposed to respond to these activists we don't we don't know who they are we can't talk to them so they responded and in 1986 there were um there was one panel entitled the it was called passing the buck and that one was passing the buck's An Evening with Art Dealers. So in the Passing the Bucks panel, freelance writer Stephen Westfall, who was actually admired, not admired, but maybe given high marks among the Guerrilla Girls as being a writer who devoted at least 30% of his articles to women artists, Westfall emphasized that the prejudice in the art world reflects prejudice in culture at large. And his quote was that the big money art world is a world of privilege and the patriarchy of Western culture is accentuated in arenas of privilege. So that really, I think, sums it up very well. um, What is essentially happening in most of the contemporary art world. The contemporary art world is a world that is ruled by money and in spheres of especially in the united states which is a quintessential like capitalist country the the white male really does dominate the elite art world
2: and well to to be fair too like it's i mean it's definitely very real in the contemporary art world but it is it's always been reality like the reality of the art world it's always been this was actually a quote from an interview with some of the girl girls but the history of art is the history of power it's the history yeah. of who's in power and it's it's expression of what they want to be expressed like if you go all the way if we go back to the 17th century you it's just kings and queens having themselves painted because that's what they want to be shown so it's it's kind of those in power, and typically those in power are the ones with money, showing their experience and what they want to be shown.
3: And it's it's slightly transitioned because when we're talking, you know, 17th century through... I, I mean, way further back, but also I'd say through the 19th, maybe, mm-hmm. century, you're dealing with the wealthy commissioning works. So what they want is what gets created. Whereas now... You know, artists have more freedom in what they create, but to a certain degree, you can only make a living creating what will be bought. Yeah. Exactly. So if the buyers are predominantly white males, then you have the best luck selling things that they want to buy. Mm-hmm. And that's just, you know, it's kind of turned on its head, but not in a positive way, just pretty much the same
1: situation. Definitely. Yeah, and something that the Gorilla Girls are doing that is really beneficial in the sense of, like, second-wave feminism and other theorists is that they're not just... Okay, so, you know, just pause. So first-wave feminism we can think of as, like, the 1960s, early 1970s. These are the feminists that were... Popularized by their like bra burning sort of like public um, demonstrations, and unfortunately, these demonstrations, I think sort of changed or or they, it sort of like tainted the message of feminism a little bit. I think that moderates who saw what was happening at these rallies were more likely to label feminists as extremists mm-hmm. who were essentially grandstanding and and kind of too extreme really i think to become popularized among like mainstream media culture which as much as i wish that that wasn't an issue it is an issue you can't really expect nowadays even your message to really become popularized and and popularized among moderates if you are maybe too extreme or or you know because what is the stereotype that we think of that people say nowadays about feminists that they're man haters or you know they're like angry man haters who like burn their bras and Don't shave their armpits or whatever, which is fine. I don't shave my armpits. (laughs) Whatever.
2: Um, Ain't no thing.
1: It's fine. But anyway, veering off topic. Second wave feminism, which is the era that the guerrilla girls really became popular in, is more characterized as, as offering useful critiques of like the world at large, and especially the world that's characterized by this late industrial capitalism that really characterizes many Western nations, especially the United States. And the art world, which both mirrors... And magnifies the inner workings of this capitalist system is a really great place to have these conversations about how women are being represented. Where are they? What are they doing? And I think that one of the greatest things that the Guerrilla Girls had to offer in, especially in the eighties, but you know, very much so now is critiquing, you know, what's happening in the art world. You know, who's in charge? And what basically it comes down to is the people who are in charge of the investors. So investors are attracted to art because it's one of the least regulated markets in our economy. So you can stockpile, you can price fix, you can inside trade. All of these are normative practices in the art market and they benefit the elite, which are most often white
2: male. Yeah. Going back to the particular waves of feminism, the whole, like, I mean, it can all be quite nebulous, just like any social movement, but I think the second wave actually started in the 60s and went through the 80s, and then the third wave started in the 90s. And I think we're moving into the fourth wave, which is intersectional feminism, I'm pretty sure. Which is what they've been critiqued. Yes. Um, Yeah, that's actually a um, good little segue. So yeah, so to kind of kind of try and define it a little bit. Um, but second wave feminism did start in the 60s and it went all the way through the 80s. I think Riot Girl kind of started at the, at the tail end of second wave and then we moved into third wave and now a lot of people are saying we're moving into fourth wave which is not even referred to as fourth wave. It's intersectional feminism. And the thing with the girl girls is they have been critiqued for not being intersectional enough. And what intersectional feminism does is it's not... A lot of the previous ways of feminism, all the way back to when we were first, you know, like fighting for the vote, it was, it really was white women looking out for, for a lot of times looking out for the concerns of white women. That's still a pretty privileged group. So now inter- intersectional feminism is, if you're a feminist, you need to look out for the concerns of, Pretty much all underrepresented people, women, people of color, minorities, anything like you—they need to be a part of your feminism. And the Guerrilla Girls have been kind of critiqued on this level because they're not particularly diverse. There are there is some diversity in their group, but once again, it's a it's a low margin of diversity. So there have definitely been some issues there. But it, from what I can tell, they're trying to correct that. Yeah, right now.
3: and I mean they've always their message has always been intersectional in that they I mean their motto is to represent women and people of color that's been their motto from the beginning it's just in practice where people can kind of look at them and say hey a lot of white women
2: yeah you know <laughs> yeah a lot a lot of white women tell me <laughs> what's good for me yeah, yeah. for sure There's another, the other notable thing I wanted to mention, our girl, Yoko Ono, Mm -hmm. and I don't mean that as a pseudonym, we're actually talking about Yoko Ono. (laughs) The real Yoko. (laughs) Um, She, in 2010, gave uh, Courage Awards for the arts to three of the active guerrilla girl groups, so kind of like I mentioned before, there has been some, like, moving around and some offshoots, like, smaller groups that were, like, that are associated with the Gorilla Girls. Like, there's kind of been um, some split, but they all have the same concerns. But anyways, Yoko Ono gave this award to three different groups, uh, Gorilla Girls On Tour, Gorilla Girls Inc., and Gorilla Girls Broadband, in recognition of their outspoken support for women artists for challenging a male-dominated art establishment and for their untiring efforts against sexism. And, I mean... If Yoko says it's good, then
1: I love her. I <laughs> wanna be her. I wanna That would be your
3: gorilla girl name.
1: Yoko Ono! Oh my god. Yep. Yeah. You know that I went to the Dakota in New York City and I wanted to scream outside her window? I was like, Yoko <laughs> Come down here. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did not do that, by the way. If I, you if
2: you follow us on Twitter, you will have noticed that I retweet Yoko Ono all on the, the time. Rig.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and- back to the Gorilla Girls.
2: <laughs> you know, one
1: thing that I sort of want to maybe leave us off on, I don't know, is this really amazing panel that they did in 1986 in New York New York City at the College Art Association. The Gorilla Girls participated in something called the anger panel. And the anger panel was an event in New York city where the gorilla girls in their typical black leather jackets, gorilla masks and buttons proclaiming. I am a gorilla girl played a tape. They played a tape at their anger panel and the tape repeated over and over. I am a gorilla girl and I'm not at all incest that the museum of modern art Showed only 13 women of the 169 artists in their international survey of painting and sculpture show, or that the Carnegie International had only 4 out of 42. I know these figures occurred only by chance. There was no sexism, conscious or unconscious, at work. I'm a gorilla girl, and I think that the art world is perfect, and I would never think of complaining about any of the wonderful people in it. After all, Women artists make fully one whole third of what male artists make. So, what's there to be mad about? I mean, it's not nice to get angry. I wouldn't dream of getting angry. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to listen to this. And the reason why I love this is because there has been a long standing tradition in the history of modern civilization. To characterize women's anger as a symptom of a deeper, like, psychological issue. And I find it very powerful when feminist writers or activists use these sorts of tactics, you know, this, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, it's pretty passive-aggressive. And that's, it, it's sort of where we're at now, right? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> in our, in our tactics... Against um, the patriarchy.
2: Well, it's the whole. It's the whole like hysteria uh, argument. You know, if like a woman's upset, or if she's mad, or if she has emotions, she's crazy. Yeah, there's something opinions. Yeah, right. (laughs) There's something going on physically in her lady parts that are making her like. That's where it all came from. Like that's where the term hysteria came from. Yeah. Like that. There. I mean, it, it all attaches to that. We're emotional and we, we, we're not logical. Like, of course not, because we have emotions. We're just, we're not logical beings. And um, so the Gorilla Girls in that particular instance are really just kind of taking that and just like, just like kind of flipping it on its head and, and saying like, okay, if this is what you think, then fine. Like, we'll, we'll be emotional or like, we're going to be sarcastic about our emotions to kind of get our point across
1: and i think that's kind of where we are right now as far as the feminine the feminist presence that we are aware of right now in the 21st century to bring it all back home uh we're all familiar with like Tumblr and other social media outlets that have become a very active forum for um social issues and it seems to me that this tactic of turning on its head these stereotypes of women being insane people for being upset or in any way not okay with whatever it is that they're being forced to accept i think that that's a really great tactic I appreciate that the guerrilla girls are doing this and it seems to me like it's a tactic that's going to continue in their activism as well as other feminist activism to bring it all back home. I think that the art world is a wonderful place for modern day feminists to pay attention to. If you're listening to this episode and you consider yourself a feminist and you consider yourself somebody who thinks that visual culture is compelling and and important and maybe even dangerous if not taken seriously. If you believe that these things are real, I think that it's really important to pay attention to what's going on and to be really open and outspoken about indiscretions or discrepancies among representations and what this means. And not just genders, too, but, like, different races and different... Who's who's being represented and whose voice is not being heard?
3: Natalie, do you want to... I just... I want... Uh, <laughs> I would like to share my favorite, my personal favorite, of the Guerrilla Girls' public service announcements. This one is actually written in the form of a letter. And it's very Tumblr-friendly. It's pink. It's... Written in oh. loopy cursive handwriting, so Tumblr, very aesthetically pleasing. It's adorable. <laughs> it's adorable. So, oh, it there's began, a little sad face,
1: like right? little flower. Uh,
3: objectively adorable. Oh. I think we're all agreeing. okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to interrupt. I'm sorry. So, um, it it says, "Dearest art collector, it has come to our attention that your collection, like most, does not contain enough." art by women. We know that you feel terrible about this and will rectify the situation immediately. All our love, Gorilla Girls.
1: Oh. So, yeah, again... That's so sweet. Yeah, it's (laughs) it's
3: cute, and it's also upsetting, but it's, it's a playful and humorous take on a really serious issue for female artists.
2: And... I like but it. I, yeah, exactly. I mean, I also just love it, though. I like obviously the sarcas- the sarcasm in it is what's so great because it's like it's so undeniably feminine, and it's like this idea that as females we need to, you know, we need to apologize and we need to we need to essentially be the the softer ones in the situation. If we want to if we want to come forward with an issue, we have to do it on pink paper with cursive lettering and we have to we have to draw a little flower and we have to be very like i know like we have to just be very accommodating like, i'm sorry i'm complaining yeah exactly. <laughs> i know this is really hard for you yeah. <laughs> because you've always gotten everything you've ever wanted. And so I'm I'm really
1: sorry. I'm really
2: sorry about it. Um, So like that's just like from a visual standpoint, it really um, expresses what females are expected to be and expected to do. And that makes it all the more powerful, I think. But yeah, I mean, they have have a whole series of these, don't they? Mm -hmm. They have quite a few different letters.
1: They're great. They will be on the website.
2: Yes. If you've
1: never heard of the Gorilla Girls, you know a few things about them now. And we highly encourage you to do a little bit of research, see what they've done, see what they're doing, and get to know the Gorilla Girls. And also pay attention and question everything.
2: So anyways, thanks so much for listening. Next week's episode, uh, I think we'll be we'll be recording live poolside. Oh, I can't wait! Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be nice. It's gonna um, be so good. And we will be covering uh, representations of the bacchanal next week throughout history. Bring on the bacchanal! Yes. So get ready to party with us by the pool with a drink in hand we look forward to it we hope you look forward to it which are both my hands by (laughs) the way double fisting but yeah if you have any questions or comments on this episode please email us at arthistorybabes at gmail.com as we mentioned before we're on pretty much every social media platform so like us follow us our websites arthistorybabes.com um, we would love to hear from you. Any suggestions or ideas for future episodes would be great. But thank you so much for listening, and um, thanks for tuning in, guys. Bye. The
1: art history bay. Yeah, the, the breathy, breathy the
2: breathy clitoris is a little much. <laughs> <side. laughs> it's the
1: name of my, uh, my punk band, my, clitor- my riot girl band. <laughs>